Hello there, fair podcast listener, and thank you for downloading this episode 28 of the Emotional Work podcast series. Um, this is one of our stories episodes, so it's a very personal account. It's a very honest and frank account from our guest about their experiences with depression. Um, and that's a topic that can um, be sensitive to some people. And before we begin, I wanted to let you know that that's what, um, just in case you hadn't you know, seen that from the show notes, if this has just been automatically downloaded into your um, into your device, I wanted to let you know that that's what the topic was. If um, you feel uncomfortable at any point during the episode, then please feel free to pause it and listen to a different one. Um, if you want some help or support from anybody, there are links to show notes. It's, there are links in the show notes even to the Samaritans, to Mind, uh, and also Karen's offered her support as well. So um, if you need any help along the way, then there's contact details in the show notes. Um, I find this really uh, amazing yet tough episode to record um and yeah i think it's something that's really important and needs to be uh, it's a story that needs to be shared so without further ado i'll hand over to the podcast proper and enjoy Welcome to the Emotional Work Podcast, where we take a deep dive into the human condition. And uh, I'm with my guest this week, so sometimes uh, the guests for the podcast are on another end of Skype or other digital means. Whereas today, I'm actually live in, live with my guest in a conference room in London, and I'm slightly in awe of our guest today, um, and have been for for a while in terms of the openness and the honesty that she brings to uh, the life challenges that she faces, and. Uh, Already so far this year in the Emotion at Work in Story series, we've had Amanda Arrowsmith talking about her experiences um, with imposter syndrome. We've had Amy King talking about burnout. We've had Tony Jackson talking about anxiety. Um, and I've been keen to get somebody on to talk about depression for a long time. It's a, uh, it's a much talked about topic, yet it's also a hardly ever talked about topic. And that's part of the reason that I'm in awe of our guest this week, because she's willing to talk about it in a very open and frank way. So... Um, yeah, I'm just very pleased and glad that, that she's willing to to chat with us today. So anyway, let's enough of me. Let's bring her in. So let me welcome to the Emotional Work Podcast, Karen Teager. Hello, Phil. Thanks for having me. That's all right. Thank you for coming on. That was very, that was a very, very nice introduction. Thank you. That's all right. Um, so I start the uh, every episode of the Emotional Work Podcast. We start with a, an innocuous yet unexpected question. And um, I went out to Twitter about two weeks ago and said, I need to build up my bank of unexpected yet innocuous questions. Um, and I promised I would give a name check to anybody that I used. So there's a lovely lady called Mags or Margaret Burnside um, who suggested the question for this one. So on Twitter, she is at Margaret Burnside because she didn't have enough characters to fit in at Margaret Burnside. Um, but you can find her on Twitter and I'll put a link to her uh, profile in the show notes. But her question was, what would you do with an extra hour every day? <gasps> Wow, I would read. Anything in particular? Well, my my pile of books that I want to read is probably about ten at the moment. Okay, uh, I tend to read non-fiction. Uh, very occasionally, I'll pick I'll pick up a pick up a novel, um, but the non-fiction books. That, that I like are uh, some, some are, uh, travel books some will be um, books 
that help me understand things that, that I, I don't already have a handle on. So mm-hmm. uh, it might be psychology or economics or, or something that I haven't you know previously studied. Um, it's a bit boring, really, isn't it? <laughs> no, not at all. I, I, I very rarely read non-fiction books. Um, I, I, sorry, I very rarely read fiction books. I'm a very much a non-fiction book reader, so I'm, I'm with you on the you know, reading things that I don't necessarily understand a lot about or understand as much as I would like to about yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm very interested in in politics, um, as anybody who knows me on Twitter will attest. Um, and I do have a number of of books about politics generally, and you know, sort of the current state of politics on on my on my pile at home. Um, and I'm working my way through them. Um, so yes, with an extra hour, oh, I just sound terribly tedious but with it with my extra hour I, yeah. I would read um because I you know I a long time ago uh, I think I could even have been on MTV some sort of you know um the, the, one of the links mm-hmm. uh the, the, just was a um some text on the screen that just said uh, books feed your head and I think that's really that's really stuck with me because I think books do feed your head, mm. um, and you know my 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 own children are, are really loving reading actual books, mm. actual physical books that they can pick up, and, and long may that continue. So that's what I do with my extra hour. Um, it's so sorry, it's so terribly. No, it's all right. And, and out of interest, then, are you a one book at a time reader? Right. Or do you read multiple books at the same time? No, I could easily have three or four books on the go at the same time. Okay. Um, in different places, one in my, you know, one in my sort of commuting bag, one next to the bed, one in the one in the office. Sometimes yeah. I'll be halfway through one and I'll be like, no, I want to read this one more, and I'll read the whole of the other book and then go back to the one I was halfway through. Okay. Um, so no is the is the answer. Oh. I'm not a one book at a time. So what would I do with my extra hour a day? So the, the challenge is that this isn't an unexpected question for me because I knew what I was going to ask. Yes, so, um, it's going to sound fairly well rehearsed. Yeah, we do go on. well, see, but it was an easy answer and I think it was sleep. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was as simple as that. Um, it's, it's the thing that... Um, do, I, do I place enough of a premium on it? I think I do, but it's also one of the things that I will um, I'll flex and, and potentially let slip at times. Mm. Um, and over the last few weeks, uh, and I mentioned this on a couple of the podcast episodes, so I can give a bit of an update to a regular listener as well, in that I'm trying to... Well, the regular The regular, the regular <laughs> listener. Who's that? <laughs> Ross Garner. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, so I'm buying, my wife and I are in the process of buying a new house. Mm-hmm. So... On a previous episode, the question was, "What's you know, what got in your way recently, or what's annoyed you recently?" And mine was uh, solicitors and um, estate agents, because why can't they just do the job they're paid to do? Was my frustration. I think you'll find they probably are I think trying they, to do the job that they're paid to do. I know I shouldn't say that to a solicitor, should I? <laughs> speaking, speaking as a solicitor. But no, carry on. That's all right. I understand um, the frustration. But, but yeah, it's been a very. Uh, time-consuming and emotionally tumultuous period Um, and so sleep has been affected by that a lot Mm. you know they've been waking in the middle of the night going oh I need to do this or oh I need to do that or 
oh, that's really frustrating me or that's really annoying me or different things. Um, so, yeah, so as, as I am today, it would definitely be sleep. sleep. My extra hour day would be sleep. Interestingly, well, it may not be that interesting, but I, I recently read a book about sleep. Um, and since reading the book about sleep, I have, I've been reading less and sleeping more, which is why I want my oh, extra yeah. hour to read because okay. I've, I've curtailed my reading to, to get, to get more sleep. Mm. So there you go, it's all linked. Can you it? remember the book so I can add it to the show notes? Oh, it's Matthew someone. No, that'll, that, that'll be I, enough. I'll, I'll Google, you know. Google. Well, either let me know or Google. It may not even be Matthew. It could <laughs> be Michael. It could be. It could be any. Um, so I'll Google Matthew, Michael, and sleep and books. Well, and we'll I bought it. Get. You know, I bought it from a, a, a well-known um, online retailer repository. So well, I'll, um, I will let you know. Have a look through your order history and let me know. Yes, yeah, and I'll, I'll add that to the show notes. That'll be grand. Thank you. Yeah. Um. So the. I'm going to use the sleep as a segue then mm. in that um, one of the things that so part of the reason that I'm in awe of having you as a guest is because depression has been around me for a long time in different mm. guises with different people um, it's not something that I personally have um, I think the closest I came was last year last year was a really hard year for me because um, I had some real issues with my physical health mm. and then that had a knock-on impact to what I then thought and how I felt about me so I, on a previous episode I talked about how you know I, I was in a room facilitating and there was a the, at the back was a glass couple of pieces of glass mm. and so I put pieces of flip chart on the glass because I couldn't bear to see my reflection in the glass because as I had some issues with my back and so I couldn't stand up straight so and then like when I'd walk through London, I'd see me hunched over in the reflection of the glass of the buildings and that would get me really cross and angry as well. And then and then I couldn't run and I couldn't uh, play with the kids. And so all of that stuff kind of came together where I got really annoyed at my mm. at my physical mm. um, health, which then affected kind of how I thought. Um, but did I, did I feel... I was certainly very emotional, but did I feel depressed? I don't think so, no. But, it's, but depression has been something that's been around me for a long time. And I see in those people that when they're struggling, one of the things that often is affected by that is sleep, which will then affect um, how they eat and how well they look after themselves and, and all of that. And all of the, so even though it is a mental health ch- you know, challenge for individuals, actually I think it, it then spans over into those other aspects and domains as well. And I wondered if that was a, an experience that that you had. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I, I, a lot of the, the time, I mean, depression takes different forms mm. um, and it manifests in different ways. I, I, I think you, you said when we first talked about doing this podcast that you, you wanted to ask me because of a, a blog post that I'd, that I'd done. Mm. Um, which didn't have an awful lot of text in it, but what it did have was a a series of pictures. Mm. Um, and what I wanted to, of me, um, most of them taken by other people, because it was, you know, before, this is a long time before the, the, the selfie as we know it mm. now. 
And what I wanted to get across was that it is possible to be depressed and feel okay some of the time. Yep. Um, because there are things that relieve that um, relieve you know that, that take the pressure off yeah and that could be um, being with friends being having some time away from work if, 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 if work is a stressor um, you know going out spa day mm. exercise yeah so a lot of people who are depressed um, as a general state won't won't look like I mean what does a depressed person look like yeah, that was yeah, the yeah. whole point of of, yeah. of the post that I that I did and the, and the photographs that were in that post were all taken during times um, either when I was you know, really struggling um, or, or I was in a sort of brief period of of of, of respite. Um, but you know it's okay if if you are depressed. It's it's all right to feel okay sometimes. Mm. It doesn't it doesn't invalidate your depression. Um, it just means that you know you, you you're doing what you can to to, to move yourself forward and, mm. and to alleviate the the symptoms because they can be pretty overwhelming. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really difficult to put your finger on it. Mm. Were, were you depressed last year? Were you mm. not? I, I, you, you're not sure. I, I don't know. No, no, exactly. Um, yeah. I think you know there are bouts of depression that that come and go um, of their own accord. You know, and I think there are natural life events that make people feel very down, very upset, distressed, and depressed, but that, you know, when those life events, or when time passes, and time is obviously a great healer, when, when time passes, that just just dissipates of, of its own accord. Um, and that's great, yeah. you know, if people can, if, if it goes away by itself, or people put in place strategies to deal with it so that they can overcome it, Either permanently or temporarily, then all the better. Mm. Um, it's not something that I've managed to do without, for a long period, without um, without medication. And you know, frankly, I I'm very happy to be open about the fact that I've you know I've been on medication. My medication for me is essential for me being able to, to, to function normally. Mm. I've tried, I've tried periods of weaning off and, you know, being drug free for what that's worth. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work. And the, the difficulty with um, with modern antidepressants um, is that they take two to three weeks to start having an impact. So if you start taking them when you're at rock bottom, you've got three weeks of rock bottom. Mm. Um, and you know, and I've tried that too many times to, to to go through it again. So I am um, I have a very good, subtle medication. 
doesn't you know it just makes me like just makes me normal it takes mm. the edges off doesn't mean I don't feel sad it doesn't mean that I'm you know that I don't feel happy mm. I, I feel both of those things yeah, but yeah. I, you know I, it's it's part of the ebb and flow of of a normal mood cycle um, it just you know it allows me to function and that's that's fine that's my choice it's not everybody's choice mm. I don't you know I, I don't for some people drugs are essential or medication rather let's not call them drugs <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's a bit naughty but for some people medication is is essential for others it doesn't work I mean that's that's another you know my, I, I'm so incredibly grateful that I have a medication that does the job mm. it works I don't have significant side effects and it, it allows me to function great you know that's brilliant but I, I you know I have met I've spoken to lots of people for whom no none of the medications that they've tried work there are either excessive side effects or you know or or it it, it puts them in a in a worse mood mm. than than they were already um you know I'm I on the on the spectrum of people struggling with with mental health issues you know I'm I'm in no way on, on the, you know, the, 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 the worst end of that, and, mm. and I, I feel um, fortunate. I, I feel lucky, actually, um, that 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 I can you know, I can function relatively well. No, normally, you know, mm. I'm just I'm just just do, just doing my thing. Yeah, um, and I know that there are people who can't, and you know, I've I've done the um, mental mental health first aid training course to become a mental health first aider and and you know there are case studies and discussions around certain conditions um, you know psychoses and really severe and serious mental health conditions and I you know I I don't know how people live through those um, and, and lots of people don't mm. which is you know awful um, and, and one of the reasons why I'm a big I'll bang the drum for psychological me- mental health charities whenever I get an opportunity mm. um, so because because I know that I'm one of the lucky ones, mm. basically. Sorry, that was a that was a <laughs> that was a very long. Um, I can't remember what the question was now. Um, was there a question? I don't, I don't even know if there was a question <laughs> to begin with. Um, so uh, w- one of the things that um, well, just well, I guess one one of the things that really interests me is that sometimes I think both in a lot in a lot of ways we uh, a label is given to something and then that is interpreted to be kind of homogenous for ev- for everything yeah so um in the same way that you know, if i looked at a discrete emotion somebody would say you know you you give anger a, a label but actually there's a whole spectrum of of ranges that sit within that and the the experiences that individuals have will vary differently and um and i, and I think and i don't know 
But I think that's the same for mental health. So whether it be anxiety or depression, you know, your depression can be very, very different to someone else's depression, both in terms of the symptoms, the causes, the duration, the the appropriate treatment, and all of those sorts of things. And part of what I want, you know, what I want to do ongoing with this series is to get more people to talk about their different experiences because I think mm. um, we'll come on to disclosure a bit later I know that's something that we talked about in our yeah, pre-call yeah, we'll talk yeah. about disclosure a bit later but um, I think until until we have more conversations happening about about not just the topic but about the different range of experiences that people have within that um, otherwise I think yeah it just becomes like a homogenous mm. sim- um, homogenous word that, that tries to bring everything together actually the yeah. The experiences underneath it are much more rich and varied. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I guess where that comes from is that or what was behind my thinking, my thinking behind that was that when it, the medication was described to me once as um, a way, so if there's a waveform that goes all the way up and all the way down, and you've got so the the average in the middle, and then it goes all the way up and all the way down, it was described to me as it just it stop, it doesn't make if the highs aren't as high, the lows aren't as low. So the undulations still happen, yeah. but it, it's just more manageable because the, the extremes are, the, the, I guess to, to use your words, the edge is taken off, mm. um, it's taken off the extremes. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if medication is working well, mm. that is what should happen. But there are so, there are, you know, I mean, I've, I've had anyone you speak to who is medicated for depression if I have a conversation with them, I say, you know, we'll talk about which, which, which one they're taking, whether any others, you know, did didn't didn't work, mm. and I I, um, without sort of saying too much in a in a group of people who are very close to me, four of us. We're all on different, um, different antidepressants, mm. and we've all tried at least one of of the others. Of the others, yeah, not yeah. like we sit there sort of <laughs> swapping, <laughs> yeah, stopping them. But but it has taken <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, yeah, you know yeah. a couple of goes to get the right medication and the right dose. I would imagine. Absolutely. Yeah. So so one person is you know has is happily taking. Uh, an antidepressant. I don't think they're on the same but but was taking a, an antidepressant that made me so ill after I was um, so uh, an, an antidepressant that I took shortly after I had my first child, um, which I was told was the the one you had to take if you were breastfeeding, or the, the you know one of the one of the few that were mm. you know not frowned upon if, mm. if you were breastfeeding. It made me so ill. I was hospitalised. Um, and yet somebody else is taking that drug and it suits them down to the ground. Mm. So, um, you know, as I say, I, I'm fortunate, the one, the one that I'm on, it, I mean, I, I, I'm still able to be really, um, you know, cheerful and happy. So in, in my case, it hasn't really knocked much off the top, mm. um, but it, but it has... Um, made the, the troughs shallower, mm. I think. But some people they take something and it and it makes them go completely. You know, I mean, I, I there was one medication that, that I took 
in the very early days, um, which is now not a, a first line treatment for uh, for depression. Um, I thought I was invincible. Okay. I was absolutely on top of the world. I was working 14 hours a day, barely sleeping. I was like, this is brilliant. Mm. And I, you know, and, but it wasn't brilliant. It was wrong. Um, and, and I, you know, and, and, it, and eventually the, the, the medication had to be adjusted <laughs> to peel me off the ceiling. And, you know, you, you don't want to be up, up high the whole time. And obviously nobody wants to be down low all the time. But some people find that it knocks too much off those, mm. off the undulations, and they're just flat. Yeah. So they don't feel down, but they can't feel up yeah, yeah. at all, and and that's you know, that's that's a horrible position to be in as well. Mm. So it, 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 you know, it's it's difficult, and, I, and I'm sure it is really daunting for anybody who's perhaps been recommended to to try medication um, and unfortunately it can be a bit hit and miss mm. um, but if there's one that works and it really you know and it really does work then it can be a, a, a life changer mm. and, and you alluded to this earlier on um, but that has been the case for you with what with the medication you're currently taking yes and how, if you don't mind me asking, how how long has that been the case for you? So when when did you find that right? Um, um, either the right medication, the right type of medication, and or the right dosage. Yeah. So the what? Okay. So the one I was originally on was the one that's a bit sort of sledgehammery, not particularly sophisticated medication. Um, it used to work really really quickly, but it's the one that would kind of yeah. You know, yeah. We had to be really careful about the, mm. the dosage, otherwise you'd be sort of. Invincible. Yeah, thinking you could fly and what have you. Um, and I came off that... Oh, I don't know. A few years ago, maybe 2006. So in one of my... In one of the, the times when I thought I really shouldn't, you know, I've, uh, you know I, I, I need to deal with this without medication because people do feel like that mm-hmm. and they do feel like you know it's it's a short-term solution and, and and they ought to to work their own way through it um, and I know it's become a fairly um, I don't know I don't know what the what the word what the, the word I'm looking for is the analogy that's used a lot is 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 a diabetic you wouldn't expect them to wean themselves off insulin right okay um, so why do people feel mm. as though they they should be drug free if they have a psychological condition? Um, but nevertheless, I you know I, I I did get get have periods when I felt that that, that you know I ought to be able to to, to manage without. Um, came off that medication. The next time I fell in a hole, um, I was told that that one that had worked for me quickly was no longer a first line treatment because I've changed surgeries since then so I was given the one that I'm on now mm-hmm. I came off it so I took it during pregnancy um, came off it in the third trimester when I was uh, so after my, my first daughter was born first child I didn't know what you were supposed to feel like after you had a baby mm-hmm. um, 
and nobody you know, nobody realised that you know long after everyone else had stopped crying with the baby blues in 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 my anti antenatal group um, that I was you know frankly terrified of my child mm. didn't want to be left alone with her um, you know it, things were okay at the weekends when, when my husband was around but as soon as I had to look after her by myself I just I felt sick I couldn't eat I felt I was you know failing mm. all of that which it absolute classic signs of postnatal depression and I don't know why I didn't realise that that's what it was and, and everybody else kicked themselves and couldn't believe that they hadn't really given my history mm. you know it was all a bit of a disaster but I was I was so hell-bent on breastfeeding my daughter that I think perhaps I, I wouldn't admit to myself or anyone else that, mm. that I was that I was depressed because I knew or haha, I thought that I wouldn't be able to take antidepressants and breastfeed. It transpires that that's not necessarily the case, but you know I didn't know that at the time. Mm. So after the experience, so so, so I wanted to, so as I said earlier, one was really wanted to carry on um, feeding her. Was given this 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 medication, um, and I, you know I'm deliberately not mentioning any names yes, because okay. I I don't want people to go oh well. You know that one was awful for mm. for Karen. You yeah, know, yeah, better better stay away from that yeah, one yeah, yeah. because, yeah. as I've said, it's not it's necessarily, necessarily going case. to be the case. Mm. Um, but it does make it quite, sort of quite difficult <laughs> yeah, to, to, to tell the story. Yeah. So I took that medication after four days. I was in hospital with it, um, with sort of heart palpitations. I just couldn't calm down. I couldn't hadn't slept for three nights. It was it was awful. Mm. Um, so I, I stopped feeding, went back on my my you know my normal my go to medication, and took that same thing with my second daughter two years later. Came off it in the third trimester, but I spent a long time researching drugs in breast milk and trying to come up with a plan to keep me well but still be able to feed my daughter. I had some incredible help. Uh, there is a actually a drugs in breast milk information service which I never knew about I had a very supportive GP um, who you know we did a sensible grown up risk analysis do the benefits of feeding my baby outweigh the risks of transfer of of a small amount of Mm. of drugs in breast milk I made the decision that that that, you know I was prepared to to do that Um, so that's what happened after my daughter was born. Um, a week after she was born, I started back on on the medication that works for me on a, on a low dose. Um, and I breastfed her for six months whilst medicated. And I think that's really important to say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, there are women who, for whom the risks to their mental health of them coming off their antidepressants when they're pregnant outweigh the benefits of of, of coming off. Mm-hmm. So there are women who, who go right up to, to having their baby um, still medicated, um, you know, and, and that is possible. It's, it wasn't my situation, but I, I did, feed, did feed my daughter whilst 
um, whilst taking medication. And as I say, you know, I, I want to be open about that because I think too many women are told that it's a no-no. Mm-hmm. If if you are going to take this medication, you cannot feed your baby. And I think it's really important that each woman who's in that position gets the facts for herself and makes the decision for herself. Um, what was the question again? <laughs> so <it laughs> we were was, talking about so discovering the medication yeah, so, yeah, that, so, and, and, that works and how and how long and yeah, how long ago did did you find the 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 solution that worked for you? And and I guess where I'm going with that is, um, where I would where I'm then going to go after that is, and when when did you first realise or when did you first get diagnosed with depression? So I'm in, I'm interested, I guess, from because I'm thinking, it's. On one hand, you could say, or oh, try this one, then try this one, then try this one, and you end up finding one that, that works for you. Mm. But that sounds like it's a really simple, quick process. And I, I don't, I don't, in my, in my experience, I don't think that's the case. Mm. Uh, but I guess I was, and that's part of where I was going to think, well, when, when did yeah. you find, when did you find the right combination for you? And where does that sit in kind of in your, in the timeline, in your timeline with depression that you're aware of? Mm. Does that make? Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I have been lucky. Because the original drug, although the you know you had to get the dose right, otherwise you'd be. Mm. It, it was as I say, you know, it, there are much more sophisticated. This we're talking about two thousand and three or so. Mm. There are far more sophisticated antidepressants out there now than than there was in in two thousand and three. Yeah. Um, and the one that I was on, as I've said, is not now recommended as a, as a first line treatment. Mm. So it's, you know, it's kind of fallen out of favour. But that worked mm-hmm. for me and it worked quickly, which, you know, was, um, which, which was an advantage. Um, and then again, lucky, having come off that one, moved surgeries and, and gone and, and been you know, prescribe the one that I am on now. And, and this is, I would say, probably 2006 or 2007. Mm-hmm. Had I not had my children, um, you know, I may well not have come off that at all over that mm. over that whole period. And, and the one that really didn't work for me was the one that was prescribed because it was the one that was recommended for, for, for breastfeeding moms. Right, okay. So I haven't experienced that agonising, which I know other people have, where you take one for two or three weeks and you still feel crap, and then you have to wean yourself off that one and start taking another one and give that another two or three weeks. And, you know, two or three hours when you feel that low is is, is a struggle, Mm. let alone might feel a little bit better tomorrow, I might feel a little bit better tomorrow. Um, So I do feel very fortunate that, that... by and large, apart from the, uh, the, the apart from being hospitalised, <laughs> it's it, it's been all right. It, it has been okay. Mm. Um, but you know, everyone's experience is different, and that's the most important thing, I think. Although there is a, although we can empathise with with one another, and I have shared my situation with lots of people who've who've reciprocated and, and, and shared their own experiences. Um, everyone's is slightly different. But there are there are a lot of similar you know, there are similarities. Hmm. Okay. 
so 2006-7 then was when you found the, the one that worked for you and, yeah. and on the right dosage. So when when did your um, when did depression first kind of manifest itself for you in a in a way where you became aware of it? Mm. Um, well, I, you know, I had some sort of. I mean, now I look back on it, I definitely had episodes when I was at university, but I didn't. But I didn't know um, that that's what it was. Um, and and I, I recall being on a pretty even keel when I was at law school, but the, everything started, I think, when I started my legal training. Um, and I found after about three probably about three months into a so training contract as you know that, that was the traditional route to becoming a solicitor there were lots of different routes now but the mm. training contract that I did was two years in in, in, a, in a firm split into six um, six uh, six month chunks so four six month chunks um, well, like in different parts of the practice, that's doing right, family yeah. or criminal or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so my my first um, stint was in employment, and you know, I I I loved it, but I found training as a as a lawyer to be quite stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's certainly in in those days there was a lot of formality. The stakes are quite high if, mm. if you screw up, yeah. um, and I and I just got completely overwhelmed by the um, by the fact that I knew so little. I think, and you know, I, I I struggled to cope with the fact that the only way that you get get better is by experience, and you have to experience lots of different things mm. and suffer those gut-wrenching moments where you realize you've made a cock up mm-hmm. um, in, in order to you know in, in order to, to to be any good so there was no fast forward there was no you know I, I couldn't study my way out of it which is what I would have done yeah can't, you, can't, you can't feed your mind out of it no exactly exactly yeah. and a lot of um, Lots of areas of legal practice. There's, there's virtually, there's actually virtually very little law in it, you know, and, and, and loads of it is 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 experience. Um, so yeah, and I found myself, um, you know, the Sunday night feeling. Mm-hmm. The Sunday night feeling I would have every night. Okay. I mean, the re- the kind of I would pretty much do anything not to have to go to work tomorrow Mm. and I would spend the whole journey into work um, trying to you know deep breathing trying not to panic and I'd get there and it was it would always be a little bit better when I when I when I got there Um, but I just I just spent all day every day feeling deeply inadequate 
and it is bizarre because I actually did you know I actually did quite a good job over those two years and they, they offered me a job mm. um, when I qualified but I thought that the issue the way that I was feeling was because of that firm okay and I thought if I went to a different firm everything would be fine and I would be happy and I would you know things would be much better there would be a different kind of support the structure would be better the commute would be better you know and I would be able to lift myself out of how I was feeling um so I did I moved I moved on qualification um and got off to a you know got off to a good start um but again within within a few months was overwhelmed by Mm lack of experience and you know I just couldn't take it in my stride um, and my my then boyfriend now husband um, who won't want to be reminded of this but he won't he probably won't listen so it'll be alright you know would, would sort of tolerate me um, but he just wanted me to cheer up he said, "It's work, Kaz. This is this is how it is. You mm. just you just need to get over it, and you know." And off he'd go to to his job, and yeah, yeah everyone gets the Sunday night feeling. And I was like, "Well, mm, does everybody feel sick every morning? Does 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 everybody on their way into work almost wish that something would happen to them so that they didn't get there that day? Mm. I'm sure that's not normal." So, about as I, I mean, I won't go into the, to, to the details of it, but I had a, a really high-profile um, tribunal case, which I had a, I really, I struggled with. I was under pressure from a large city firm on the other side. I was six months qualified or nine months qualified or whatever it was, mm. and I had. Um, what I look back on now, and I, you know, I don't think it's overly dramatic to call it a, a mini breakdown. Mm. Um, it, so basically, we, we were having a. Um, no, I'm not going to go into in, into the details, but I, I had to have a, a, a two two weeks off. I had two weeks off work, and mm. the case was taken from me. Okay. So I thought, well, it was all it was all about. It was all about, it was about that, that case, case then. Right. so I'll be all right now. And you know, every time I wasn't all right, mm. and, and and eventually, um, I was sort of a, an, an epiphany, I suppose you, you could say. I was preparing for a seminar that I, I, was, I was supposed to be presenting to you know seventy or eighty people, firm firms, clients, and I and and I was ironically to present on um, liability for psychiatric injury in in, in employment. Yeah. <laughs> so I was reading this case and I and I, I found it again and yeah, you know, any any excuse to read a any excuse to read a, a case. This one is um we got forty six pages. Okay. Forty six pages, a hundred and Two hundred and twenty-four paragraphs, but I'm not going to read all of them. Okay, I promise. <laughs> but so, so this was um, a case called. Uh, there won't be any geeky employment lawyers 
listening, I'm sure, but if there did happen to be a geeky employment lawyer listening, it's um, Sutherland and Hatton mm-hmm. um, and, and associated cases. But one of the uh, the claimants in in the case, um, it was a case about, about psychiatric injury in, in the employment context. And, you know, I, I didn't, I certainly wasn't suggesting that I, you know, that, that work had caused me an injury, but it, it, it was in reading parts of this case that I identified with the feelings that, that, the, that the claimant had been feeling mm. in the workplace. And it made me think, well, hang on a minute, if he was feeling like that and he was diagnosed with a, a something, maybe I'm not well. Maybe this this isn't normal after all. Um, so there, there's you know there's some some bits in in the case. Um, no so he would so it says uh, he found that he was losing weight. He felt he looked drawn and would wake up regularly in the night. Felt like he was having out of body experiences. He believed he had completed tasks which he hadn't completed, and he became confused. Um, and then there's, you know, there's another bit. Sort of a bit later on where it says he felt um, fear and fright and inability to settle and a sapping of energy so that any task took a vastly disproportionate amount of time to get achieved. He felt sleepy and drained and he knew that at, at work and at home things were spiralling out of control. And I sat there and I was working at home that day and I kind of went, well, that's how I feel. Mm. And then I rang the doctors. And I went to see the doctor. It was a locum, actually. It wasn't my normal GP. And she was so lovely. And I just sat there and bawled my eyes out. Um, and she asked me if, you know, if, if I wanted to, to, to consider some, some medication. And I said, but I'm not sure how I would... I'm worried that it might distort my perceptions. Mm-hmm. And she sat there, probably no further away from me than than you are, and she leant forward, and I can remember, I can see her face now, and she said, Karen, the way that you are feeling now is a distorted perception. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, fair enough. <laughs> it can't be any worse. I can't feel any worse. Yeah. Um, but I was, you know, nervous about about taking medication. But the relief when she said to me, "Well, you know, I I think that you are suffering from depression and and an, an anxiety disorder." I was like, "It's got a name." So there is something not right. And I just felt such a relief, Mm. such a relief that somebody understood how I was feeling and wanted to help me. Um, So I thought, well, as I say, you know, I I couldn't feel any worse, so Mm. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a go. And it was really difficult telling my then boyfriend, now husband, 
that I'd been to the doctors and I and I had a thing. Mm. You know, I, there was a, there was a thing that I've got. Yeah, it's got a name. And he said, um, and he really genuinely did say, "Well, I don't, don't think there's anything wrong with you. You just need to snap out of it." Mm. He actually said those words to me, um, and. You know, it took it. It took him a while to kind of get the hang of it, mm. I suppose. But yeah. you know, he did, oh, and obviously he did because we're still together we're still now. Together. Yeah. Um, but that was, you know, that was that was difficult for him because mm. he he or he also he had to come to terms with having a girlfriend who had a thing, I suppose. Mm. I, you know, if I look at it from his point of view, mm. and, and uh, you know. It's, this is 15 years ago mm. um, so you know there there was a, I mean there is still stigma mm. um, and, and something you and I talked about before we yeah. came, came yeah. on air is, is, is you know something I've experienced just today but, but in 2003 it was a you know it was much more of, a, of, of an issue I think for, mm. for people to to get their heads around mm. Um, so that's that's how it that's how I yeah that, that's how and when I was diagnosed and mm. the rest is history I suppose <laughs> okay, can I just touch on the relief bit that you talked about so when you said the the relief of being told that it's a thing and it's got a name and all of that and at the risk of making it kind of overly dramatic, and I don't mean to do that, but how, how was that? How did, as an experience, what did that feel like? You know, well, I just, I mean, I, well, it was, I, I, it was, a, it was a relief, but it was also terrifying. Okay. Um, because I, you know, I didn't know a massive amount about. I mean, you know, even now, I don't know what to call it. Because people people talk about their experiences and their conditions in different ways. Mm. I think in two thousand and three, I thought to myself, "I am mentally ill," mm. um, and you know, and I'm conscious that there may be people sort of sitting screaming at the whatever device they're listening to mm. this on, um, wondering why the doctor didn't refer me for talking therapy or mm-hmm. or give me some fact sheets to go away and, and, and fill in and, and, you know, sort of self-help mechanisms. And there are people who feel as though medical professionals leap to a, 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 um, a medication mm-hmm. too quickly. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Those people are entitled to their opinion but for me in that room on that day her telling me that there was a way out of how I was feeling was just the best news I could have had Mm. Um, and the two or three days that it took those those first um, that first medication to work were horrible Mm. um, because I really was in a, in a state um, but once I started to feel the space it felt like and I you know and I remember to this day it felt like I'd been sitting at the bottom of a swimming pool 
Okay. For months and months and months. And those first few days, or probably days three, four, five and six of, of taking that medication felt like I was floating up to the surface. And, you know, I, I indescribable relief because it, it had at that point been going on for sort of three or four years mm-hmm. without me knowing, you know, obviously I, I just kept thinking, well, once I've got my new job, once this case is out of the way, once, mm-hmm. once this, once that, it all, it will, yeah, every, be everything will be better and it just wasn't getting better, so... Mm. So I suppose, um, how did I, how did I feel? Relieved, frightened. Mm. Um, you know, because you just, but but relieved, mm. mainly relieved. Um, and, and you mentioned, um, you mentioned your husband and his initial um, reaction, mm-hmm. or the, you know, the statement of snap out of it. And I don't necessarily want to stick on him as an individual, but over the, you know, so you said that was kind of 2003, so over the 15 years since then, mm. ha- have you had to work with other people for them to help you more effectively? So is there a, like an education piece that you've had? Well, that sounds a bit grand, but because mm. I, I remember when um, someone really close to me was first diagnosed, didn't really know what to do. Mm. Yeah, I didn't know what to do for the best. I knew I wanted to help, and I wanted, you know, and I, was, I wanted to mm. support and be compassionate mm. and understanding. Mm. Um, but like, if they were having a good day, did I mention that? Or if they were having a bad day, did I mention that? Yeah. You know, and 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 together we worked out a way of of kind of working that together. Mm. Um, so I suppose I'm, I'm at risk of implanting my own experience no, for you, no, but no. but um, yeah, I was I was curious about have have. Have you had to, or yeah, what's your experience been with helping other people help you most effectively? Um, well, I'm uh, probably quite unusual. Just approach it in a work context mm. for a start. Everyone I've worked for or with since I was diagnosed, well, not every single person, you know, yeah, not, yeah. not like entire teams of people, but every, and obviously I've been self-employed and, mm. and, and in... Um, quasi partnership, um, you know, co-owning a business. But everyone I've, every employer I've worked for, or every business I've worked with mm. for an extended period of time, has I, I've, I've told. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, you know, it is a matter of personal choice, and I know you want to get onto disclosure. Um, but I, for me, people knowing that I, you know, people knowing is better for me than them not knowing. Mm. And frankly, it's, you know, it's, if I don't tell them myself, it's not difficult to, 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 to see a blog or a tweet yeah, or, yeah. Or, or whatever. So, you know, I'm, I'm. I'm fully committed to being transparent about it, mm. um, but as you know, I know we're going to get on to discuss. That's not right for everyone, um, and, and it, you know, it, there are some people who it, it, well, we'll, we'll get on. But to no, so well, no, 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 we've mentioned it a few um, times. But, so you, but you were asking me how I've 
helped people to to help me I don't know just being just being just saying what what I need you know is it mm. so for my husband sometimes it is I have to go I just have to be on my own for a day I mean I literally just need to be somewhere by myself mm. to get my head together um And I, I don't know. I, I suppose you, as you have with with the person you're talking about, you just sort of work work it out together. Um, and I, you know, I, I I'm I'm not easily offended. Mm-hmm. So if people come to me with preconceptions or they say things that you know are a bit kind of close close to the mark mm. I'd rather meet that head on and, and try and educate them than, than go off in a half and, and sort of leave them with their whatever they thought about mm. whatever they thought about it um, you know because if I if I can if I can help to educate them that may mean that somebody else gets the benefit of that which mm. is fine with me okay so um, yeah, and I don't have a really don't have a straight answer. No, that's right. To be honest. That's okay. <laughs> I don't think that's I've right. answered anything straight um, since since we started. Oh, but it's, it's been a bit oh, of a ramble. I disagree with that. Um, so we, we mentioned disclosure a few times then, and I think mm. what, the way you've just finished that one um, is a is a good way in. So um, so the the post that really got me thinking when I first read it couple of years ago was the one that you mentioned earlier on and then you followed that up with a mm. post called disclosure I think is a week later or yeah, yeah. so do you want to yeah yeah okay so um so the original post um was as I've said a series of pictures of me looking like I do well not just just looking like me <laughs> um at, at times when you know things had been a struggle or or I was I think one of them was my wedding day um which was 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 in between, so I'd been quite obviously uh, stressed on the run up to my wedding day. Loved 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 my wedding day. Loved my honeymoon, but a couple of weeks after getting back from my honeymoon, I was like down in a hole again. So mm. so the um, so the, the the picture of me on my wedding day was very much, uh, you know, me teetering on teetering on a on a knife edge just before before having a, a further episode and lots of people responded um so i put it so I put it on twitter i can't remember whether i put it on linkedin i think i, might, I think i put it on link because it was it um was it world mental health day yeah, or Mental Health Week, I think, one of the mental two. Mental Health Week yeah. or, or something. Yeah. And I was like, well, there's no point going half-arsed on it. If, you, if you're going to put it out there, put it out there. So mm. I think I went Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook. Don't have it. Mm. Um, and people contacted me, people who I have known for some time, um, contacted me and said, I'm so glad you, you wrote that. It's really helped. Um, people who I've never met but I'm connected with mm-hmm. contacted me and said thank you for writing that um, but a couple of people wrote 
to me privately, a DM or you know or whatever, and and said that's really helped. I really ought to. You know, I wish I was as brave as you, or mm. I I really wish I could. Mm. Blah blah blah, and and I was like, no, that's that's not what that that's not what that piece was about. Mm. It wasn't about hey everybody, you know, let let's all come out. Mm. I suppose. Yeah. It was. This is me. If what I've said helps you, brilliant. That that's all I wanted. I don't think that anybody should feel under depression, uh, under depression, <laughs> under <laughs> pressure yeah. to disclose anything mm. to anyone for any reason. It has to be a personal choice, and you know, I've I, I have been fortunate. I've had very supportive employers. Um, but I know lots of people aren't as lucky as me. Mm. Maybe lucky is not the right word, but you know, I, I, I appreciate that I've had supportive employers. There was a long period when I was self-employed, so it didn't matter. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and I did, for the first time, talk openly about my mental health when I was self-employed. Um, so you know the stakes weren't as high for me at, at that at that moment, um, but people you know I'm an employment lawyer. Mm. People lose their jobs because they have mental health issues, mm. and it you know and and it it, it is as, as straightforward as that. Um, so it's not right for everybody to disclose because it can impact on on on, on the way that you're treated. It, at work or by insurance companies or or, or, um, or, or you know in other areas of, of your life mm. so for cry out loud please if you're not ready and you think it will do more harm than good stay as you are that's, mm. that, that's, that's what I would say um, but I you know I'm always really happy to, to talk through that sort of thing with 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 anyone, um, but yeah, you know, if if by saying what I've said, I've given the tiniest amount of relief or support to someone, whether I know them or whether I don't, then then you know, it's been worth it. It's not um, it's not a call to arms yeah. for people to. For everybody to sort of go mm. right, we're all depressed, and you know, and, and and we all need to be open about it. I, I think we do need to be open about it, but we still have to be alive to the fact that that there is still a stigma, mm. and, it, and it does impact people. And and well, that was going to be one of my other questions. Have you seen it change? Yeah, so, have you seen a change over the fifteen years um, for you in terms of either the stigma or the? Um... Yeah, yeah, I have. I have, um, you know, organisations are realising that mental health is significant in the workplace 
you can't leave yourself at the you can't leave your real self at the door and and and, and be that work self. Um, work impacts on non-work, and non-work impacts mm-hmm. on work. Mm-hmm. And the yeah, so so so, so things are improving. The resources that are available to employers, I think, to support people in the workplace and mind do a fantastic resource pack Mm -hmm. for employers they really do Um, and you know the MHFA the fact that mental health first aiders are in workplaces supporting people and potentially preventing people from um, taking time off, supporting them to, to you know to carry on working mm-hmm. rather than to to you know go off sick or or or, or fade you know or resign or move away or, mm. or whatever. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, humans are still resources, and and employers, you know, em- employers who don't look after the the elements that make up their business. Are, um, are going to suffer, I think. Mm. Um, certainly, so, so that's work, but certainly, sort of, kind of out there, uh, I think social media plays a big part in this. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't all be sitting in the pub ten years ago, and somebody say, "Guys, just wanted to, just wanted to let you know that, um, you know." people who you don't actually know that well who aren't in your inner circle but come up to you and say oh by the way hello you know we, we know each other from school mm. I just wanted to let you know that I've been diagnosed with depression and anxiety but you do see that on Facebook mm. so people will say um, you know this is a really big step for me uh, you know I, I, I've done this has happened and, and I'm I mean, I've had some talking therapy or, or whatever, whatever. Yeah. And that goes out, obviously, if, if somebody puts that on their mm. profile, that goes out to all of their friends who mm. may not be their close friends. And, and I've certainly seen a few posts like that from people who I know from, you know, yeah. are acquaintances. Mm. And I say, well, all power to you. But it's, again, not for everybody. Not for everybody. So I think people are talking about it more. Um, there are more resources available but mental health services are chronically underfunded Mm. Um, mental health charities receive a fraction of the donations that um, physical health charities receive and it's all very well saying to people seek help go to your GP but beyond medication, you know, there are waiting lists. People who are in crisis are on waiting lists for therapy for weeks, months, and then that includes young people. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 great that people are are talking about it more. But unfortunately, the resources and the support haven't kept up. So, 
and there's no easy answer to that. Mm. Um, that there really isn't, because you know somebody may take that huge step of going to their GP or or asking for help from from their employer and and be you know rebuffed mm. and that's almost worse than having not made the disclosure and struggling struggling with it on your own mm. um, so yeah I, we're not we're not there yet you know <laughs> you, you can draw a comparison with um, I suppose you know being a lawyer I would wouldn't I but the Equal Pay Act came in it's a 1970 piece of legislation but it came in in 1975 mm. and we still don't have equal pay between men and women mm. you know and that's been what 50 however many years mm. and, and and we're still taking baby steps on that so mm. you know why would um, why would the framework around mental health suddenly sort of pop up like a mm. like a bouncy castle yeah, just because yeah, just really because is. people are, mm. are more aware of it it doesn't doesn't make it doesn't sort it out mm. that that still takes a lot of effort on mm. on the part of all concerned I sound very earnest now don't I it's all right I like earnest <laughs> I like earnest um I don't know whether the question I want to ask next is an appropriate question to ask or not, so I'll ask it, and if it's not, we can always edit it. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there... Listen closely for the edit readers. <laughs> uh, listeners. listeners. Is there any... Um, is there any advice, then, that you would give to... Uh, so what, you, <laughs> what you can't see is Karen's face going, oh, you know, so I can see the tension in her neck. and she's um, is there, is there any advice that you would give to our listeners um, if either let's, let's keep it simple is there any advice that you'd give so if there's somebody listening who's gone wow I've never you know, that, I'm hearing similar to the experience you had when you read that case mm. there's somebody listening to this and hearing what you're saying go wow that, is, is that me then or is that mm. that, that might be ringing true for me mm. is there any advice that you would give or want to give to those people from your experience? If there is someone if there's someone you trust that they you know it's it's trite but a problem shared Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily halved, but it's a problem that, that, that one person isn't dealing with by themselves. So, you know, it's... I think talking about how you're feeling to somebody, whether that's somebody you know or somebody that you think may understand how you're feeling even though you don't know them particularly well because you know that that they have a similar experience then you know those are all things that that you could consider but in uh, 
I, I think what, what I do know from my own experience is it doesn't have to be you know things don't stay the same things will change and every day will be different and for some people bringing themselves to have that first conversation is is, is incredibly difficult um, and, you know and there are there are reasons why it, as, as we've already discussed it, it, it can backfire mm. making a disclosure um, so you know that there is help and support out there anonymously there is there are resources accessible through mind there you know there's always the Samaritans mm-hmm. um, oh, do you know I can't remember their number I think it's 116123 uh, I can't remember either I'll put a link I'll put a link to their um, to their website and contact details in the show notes um, but you know doctors are bound by confidentiality mm. so and you know if in most surgeries you can see someone who isn't your own GP if you know if you feel as though somebody of the same gender or opposite gender might mm-hmm. it might be more appropriate or you would feel more comfortable in talking to them um, you know there's, they're all things that, that you can consider but it's it's really difficult because I'm not qualified to mm. to advise yeah. um, but I know from my own experience that that taking steps to get some help are, are what helped me and, and are what have brought me to where I you know where I finally am however long 15 years later um, and I hope that helps but I, it probably doesn't um, <laughs> you might, you might want to well, edit it I, out no, anyway no, no, not, uh, so uh, no that, 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 that will not be on the cutting room floor <laughs> <coughs> um, and, and I, I've, at the, I'm going to risk the, um, the giving of unsolicited advice as well now from, from my kind of place of experience which is um, if that person does decide to talk with you then just listen mm. don't try and fix it don't, oh, yeah. don't the, try the, the fix it thing don't, is... don't try and diminish it don't try and you know, just just listen and and definitely don't say well what have you got to be depressed about, <laughs> about you've got all of this <laughs> yeah because you might get punched yeah so the that um yeah, that the the opportunity if it's something that you've not talked about the opportunity to talk about it and just let the other person just to listen mm. um if, if you're that if, if you're that chosen person that, that person that the individual wants to come and talk to then you don't do what I did and try and fix it listen and just just listen mm. and wholeheartedly listen to, to what it is and just let that person share whatever it is that they want to share and just I just wanted to pick mm. up on um, actually a, a point which we haven't touched on which is guilt for so so when I was diagnosed I was 
living with my boyfriend. I was trained, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd been to university, I'd been to law school, I was training as a solicitor, I had the whole, you know, a career in front of me. I had a, you know, no um, family difficulties. You know, I, I had, on the face of it, a very nice life. Mm. And the guilt associated with feeling as bad as that when there was actually nothing to be, you know, um, mm. there was nothing obvious to be depressed about. That's that's a, that's a thing as well, I think. Mm. Um, for people who, you know, logically look at their life and go, well, what, what, why do I feel like this? There's actually nothing wrong in my life or, or particularly, you know, horrific compared with that person or those people or somebody in that situation. Um, and you know what I would say to that is 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 everyone has, every life has its own trials and tribulations and every person reacts differently to those um, and you just can't compare yourself with you know with how you should or shouldn't be feeling compared with what someone else is going through but but guilt is a is a you know it, it can be a real thing because it mm. was for me because I was like well there's nothing actually um, wrong here mm. so why do I feel like this and what what was that what were you feeling guilty of, of or for is it you yeah, so I I shouldn't I shouldn't feel I shouldn't, like this I shouldn't because be my life I shouldn't have fine. this illness I shouldn't be this yes. poorly because there's nothing wrong with yeah yeah, yeah. totally right. totally. So, you know, I've got a home, I've got a yeah. relationship, like, you know, I've got an absolutely textbook um, middle class privileged existence. Mm. So, why do I feel so shit? Yeah. Um, yeah, so there we are. Guilt. Everybody's favourite emotion. Okay. So I think I think I want to start to put it to pull the episode together then. Yeah, fair enough. So <laughs> it's been here a while. No, no, so I'm genuinely in two minds about whether I should or not, um, because I'm really enjoying listening and I'm really enjoying our conversation and exploring what it's been like for you and the experiences that you've had and the learning that you've taken along the way and, and all of those things. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. But at the same time, um, it's it's emotionally hard work. Yeah. You know, for you and for you and for me yeah, and, and for the and for the listener, if that makes sense. So um so that's that there are those are the other things that are making me think that that point you just made about guilt is it gives us a nice Segue then into into starting to put it together and wrap it up. Yeah, it, yeah, no, it, no, it, it brings cool. it all together. That's, some people charge two hundred quid an hour for this. You know? <laughs> I, I've just I've just had free therapy. <laughs> I've just listened. That's, that's all I've done. That's yeah. that's you know that's a, a fundamental part of a lot of, a lot mm. of a lot of therapy anyway. So, so is there um, is there anything else then? Anything else that you're thinking? Anything else you're feeling? Anything else that you want to say before I put it together? No, no, no. We've, uh, I 
Yeah, I think we've just about covered the last 15 okay. years of my life <laughs> in sufficient detail. <laughs> okay. Saves me writing the book. And in terms of uh, resources, so we've talked about um, the Mind Employers Resource Pack, which I'll put a link to in the show notes. Yeah. We've talked about Samaritans, which I'll put a link to in the show notes. We've talked about the Drugs in um, Breast Milk Group, which I'll put a link to in the show notes as well. Yeah. Are there any other resources or, and I'm using resources in its broadest sense, are there yes. any other things that you that you would, that I should put in the show notes to help to signpost um, for people? If I think, if I think of anything, I'll, I'll drop you a, yeah, okay. I'll drop you a link because, um, it, you know, it's not, things might come to me. Yeah, well, that's okay. Yeah. yeah, that's all right. In which case then, all that's left is for me to say thank you very much, Karen. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being your openness and your honesty and um, for sharing. So I've really enjoyed it. So thank you very much. Well, that's, yeah, you're really welcome. As I say, as I always say, if it helps just one person, then, you know, it's, then I'm happy. So, so thank you. If, if anybody wanted to get in touch if any of the listeners did want to get in touch with you, is that something that you'd like them yeah, to absolutely. do? And what? And if either, if, if if only so, I know somebody listened right to me. <laughs> so, um, what? How would you like them to get in touch? Do you want me to put your email in in the show notes? Do you want to uh, do you want on Twitter? Yeah, what? Twitter's good. Okay, so your Twitter handle is uh, at tigo underscore emplor. Okay, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes too. Super. All nice. right, wonderful. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Emotion at Work podcast, written, recorded and presented by Phil Wilcox, edited together by Simon Leverton. You can find more information at emotionatwork.co.uk or follow us on Twitter at, at Phil Wilcox. Thanks for listening.